saving money when you start your next project today at Menards. Check out our great selection of garage and utility lighting options in stock, ready to take home today. We carry everything to help you illuminate whatever project you're working on. Shop garage and utility lighting products in store at your nearest Menards. You can also view all of our entire selection of lighting options today on Menards.com. Save big money at Menards. Now it's time to talk about Trump and the bomb. And for that, we turn to Adam Schatz. He's a contributing editor at the London Review of Books, and he's the former literary editor of The Nation. He writes for the New York Review, the New York Times Magazine, and other publications. We reached him today in Brooklyn. Adam, welcome back. Thank you, John. Well, we've all been hoping Trump's generals will stop him from launching a nuclear war with North Korea. We're talking here about John Kelly, his chief of staff, former Marine Corps general, uh, the defense secretary, former Marine Corps general James Mattis. There's this other general, McMaster, who's his national security advisor. We've been told they have a pact designed to ensure that one of them is always in the country to watch over Trump in case he, quote, goes off the deep end. But you point out in the London Review of Books that our system of nuclear decision-making, which was set up after Hiroshima, has the explicit purpose of keeping the bomb out of the hands of the military and keeping it under the exclusive control of the president. What was the reasoning behind the idea that civilians and not the military should control nuclear weapons? Well, the reasoning uh, behind it, John, was that a civilian president would be uh, less likely to leap into a nuclear confrontation. Truman, after the uh, bombing of Hiroshima and Nagasaki, was extremely wary of nuclear weapons and afraid that uh, his generals might want to carry out uh, another strike. In fact, other strikes were planned uh, against Japan, and he called them off. And uh, he made sure that even that the nuclear parts of, of weapons were, were physically separated and placed under the auspices of the Atomic Energy Commission. So that was the thinking behind it. Thinking, of course, was also that Americans are not going to elect a president who would uh, flirt with nuclear conflict. Democracy was considered to be a guarantee, a bulwark, against uh, rash military action. Now, today, of course, we find ourselves almost in the opposite situation, where we're hoping that the military will be more sober than the president that Americans have elected. And what have past presidents, uh, civilians, said about using nuclear weapons? Have they been less warlike and more committed to peace? What about Nixon? What about Obama? Nixon certainly wasn't. Um, and, of course, Nixon famously or notoriously wanted the North Vietnamese to think that he was mad and that he might use nuclear weapons. Uh, he had this notion that if Ho Chi Minh thought that uh, America might begin bombing uh, with atomic weapons, that he would uh, uh, scurry to, to Paris to uh, make peace on American terms. And, in fact, Nixon mocked Henry Kissinger for, quote-unquote, now thinking big, for not being willing to consider the use of, of nuclear force. Um, other presidents have been uh, more prudent, but at the same time, no American president has said, we take nuclear weapons off the table. The, the idea has always been all options should be on the table. And that's been true of Democrats as much as Republicans. 
I like the idea that thinking big means uh, nuclear war. That's a kind of an interesting phrase. <laughs> the official purpose of the American nuclear program throughout the Cold War was specifically not to attack the Soviet Union. It was to deter the Soviet Union from attacking us. And we are told in retrospect, look, it worked. We're all still here. The nuclear program was a success. What's your perspective on the Cold War uh, strategy of the United States? Um, my understanding is that that was the official, the, the official uh, rationale uh, to deter a Soviet attack, but that uh, there was always planning for a potential first use, and, and that the, the main concern had to do with Soviet retaliatory capacity in the event of an American strike. I think that um, if you read histories of, uh, of, of the Cold War, you quickly get the idea that, in fact, we're, we're lucky that we didn't have a nuclear confrontation with the Soviet Union and that there were numerous instances in which such a confrontation might have taken place. One of, one of them, of course, was the Cuban Missile Crisis. You, you could, in fact, argue that we survived uh, the Cold War rather than that we won the Cold War. And whatever happened to the power of Congress to declare war, the responsibility of the Congress to declare war, we that hasn't uh, happened for many decades now. No, that has receded uh, since uh, the Second World War. And in fact, uh, some would argue that Congress is, is, is happy not to have it. I, I don't think you see a, a great deal of pushback uh, from the House or the Senate, although some politicians have put forward um, uh, bills recently to ensure that pre the, the Congress does have a say in whether there is, for example, a first strike on North Korea. Yes, the Congress, the, the bill uh, has, that bill has been introduced in the House by Ted Lieu, Democrat of Los Angeles, who happens to represent uh, my district. And that mm -hmm. bill says that there will be no uh, first uh, strike without, a congress without congressional approval. There's a similar bill in the Senate. Obviously, this is not going to pass now or in the foreseeable future, but it's... It's very important. It's a, it's a, it's a very important. Um, intervention, not least for the fact that it raises the question of presidential war-making power, particularly bomb power, and, and forces Americans to reflect on the structure of, uh, of, of American uh, political decision-making. Not many Americans, I think, are even aware of the extent to which the president monopolizes uh, bomb power. I mean, the, the conversation that takes place prior to, the, uh, prior to a nuclear attack isn't, need not be a particularly long one. Uh, it's a conversation between uh, the president and the uh, secretary of defense, other chosen advisors, and then uh, the order goes out through the Pentagon to the combatant commanders um, in the field, and it's within a matter of minutes that these uh, orders are given and processed. It's, uh, it's, a, it's a pretty scary thing when you, when you uh, stop to consider it. Well, Americans may not be aware of how the decision-making process has been designed, but they are aware of this thing called the football. Let's, let's talk about the football and, and who controls the football today. The football is basically a, a briefcase that is carried around by an, a, an aide uh, to the president um, at all times, and it's a, it's a leather satchel, and inside of it there is a computer with the nuclear codes um, by which uh, execute orders are transmitted. And the first of those execute orders is known as the biscuit, or the golden code, and the golden code is what confirms the president's identity.
The biscuit confirms the president's identity, and this aide is always at the side of the president, and he is a, a military officer of some kind. Is that right? And in fact, in fact, we we even know his name. What is uh, it? We know that his first we know that his first name is Rick, and the the reason that we know this is that he was photographed at Mar-a-Lago uh, by a retired fund manager named uh, Richard Diagazio, a Trump supporter. Uh, who posted the photograph of himself and Rick on Facebook, oh. along with Rick's job description. Uh, in fact, he did this just at the time that the North Koreans had carried out a, a ballistic missile test, um, interrupting Trump's dinner with the Japanese prime minister. Uh, it was a very uh, strange story that made um, headlines. Our anxiety about Trump is is connected to our understanding of his personality and his uh, his emotional structure. He has this dangerous combination of being impulsive, uh, being aggressive, and being very, very much living in the present without thinking about consequences. So when he feels under attack, for example, by special counsel Robert Mueller, his response throughout his life has been to strike back harder. And because he lives very much in the present and doesn't think about future consequences, he's likely, we fear, to, take, to impulsively take these aggressive acts, which could involve launching an attack on a nuclear attack on North Korea. So right now, what exactly are the structures in place to prevent the president from making a catastrophic, impulsive, emotional decision? I, I, uh, John, I, I wish I know, and, and that's a very important question. Uh, we don't have the answer to it. Um, it is terrifying when you think that Trump is someone who can't think very far into the future. I mean, he's someone who um, uh, might, uh, uh, out of a sense of, uh, of wounded pride, want to carry out a strike against Kim Jong-un, uh, and then 15 minutes later decide that he would like to invite him to Mar-a-Lago or build a casino in the North Korean capital. I think I believe that it is very dangerous to have a person who is so psychically impulsive and unstable uh, with the power uh, to make such a a grave decision. So uh, while presidential bomb power is uh, is is in itself, I think inherently uh, dangerous, uh, the fact that we have um, a mentally um, unbalanced person in office makes it even more threatening. Well, you argue in your London Review of Books piece that, well, Trump is terrifying. The problem runs much deeper than Trump. What would it take to have meaningful control over nuclear weapons today? Yes, I mean, I, I think that the problem runs much deeper, and I think that Trump is, is, is more of a kind of malignant symptom who has uh, raised this question for us in a very uh, dramatic way. It's clear that this is a kind of decision that no one person um, has the wherewithal, the authority uh, to make. In, in my view, um, in the long run, the, the, the real problem besides the uh, nuclear uh, monopoly that the president enjoys is the very fact, the very existence um, of nuclear weapons. The fact is no one can make this decision. Dropping a nuclear bomb is a, is, a, is, a, is a technical final solution, as it were. So I don't think any people, anyone, uh, should have that uh, authority. But in the absence of, uh, of a thoroughgoing uh, destruction and ban on nuclear weapons, which 
is very unlikely to happen in our lifetime, there have to be more political and civilian controls. And I do think that Congress will have to uh, become more involved in decisions of, uh, of such high foreign policy uh, significance. How uh, we're going to get Congress to assume that role is, is, is beyond me. And, of course, another problem is that uh, we've, we've realized that uh, our civilian politicians are, are no more trustworthy than our military figures. So um, uh, I'm sorry, John, but I don't have an answer to that question. Adam Schatz, he wrote about the president and the bomb for the London Review of Books. Adam, thanks so much for talking with us today. Thank you, John. You've been listening to Start Making Sense, the weekly podcast of The Nation magazine. You can hear more interviews like this one at thenation.com, and you can subscribe to Start Making Sense at iTunes Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm John Wiener. Thanks for listening. 